Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. I'm reading scripture from the uh, NIV, and it's Acts 11, verses 1 through 18. And in these verses, you'll hear Peter giving an explanation for his actions. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. Peter said, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon Peter, Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, and he had come to us as he had come to us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Good morning, church. How are you? Doing good? Good to see all of you here this morning. We have a beautiful day. Um, This morning, in the 6 o'clock hour, 7 o'clock hour, it was just delicious out here. I mean, it still feels pretty good here uh, right now, but this morning, earlier this morning, mm, it was good. It was so good. 
Everyone needs Jesus. Amen? Amen. Everyone needs Jesus. And if we know that to be true, if we believe that, that should shape our, our life, knowing that everyone needs Jesus. The Bible teaches that there is a creator God, and humans are made in creator's image, the image of God. We're designed to reflect God. But here's the thing. We fail to reflect God's design all the time. We can simply call that sin, right? We, we, we smudge up the reflection. And as humans, we cannot buffer out this smudge on our own. We cannot restore the reflection by ourselves. We simply cannot. We, we need help. We need help. And so to put it this way, every single human has a common experience with this smudge, with, with sin. Your neighbor's sin might look different than yours, but you know we're all sinners. That's what the Bible teaches us. And to use the language pardon, we're all in great need of pardon. If we ever want to be fully alive, we need to be excused from this thing called sin. Now check out this big announcement, church. God sent his son His name was Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. We know that song a little bit. That is the gospel message. God sent his son. Jesus is the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. He lived here on earth, God in the flesh. He perfectly reflected God, not just the image of God. We can go beyond that. He was God. He is God. And he lived the life that we could, could not live. And he died the death that we deserve. And he was powerfully raised from the dead in his resurrection. And Jesus' resurrection was something big. It was something brand new that happened in the middle of, of history. Sin had been dealt with once and for all. And now those who turn to Jesus, if you trust, if you have faith, if you trust in his death, on a cross, that it was sufficient to atone, meaning to cover your sins, to pardon your sins, well, guess what? Freedom is given to you in faith as you turn to Jesus. Every single person who believes receives forgiveness. And forgiveness is the Bible's way of saying your smudge has been buffed out. Forgiveness of sins. And again, humans, we all share a common experience. All humans, every single human sins and we fall short of the glory of God. But the news of great joy that is for all people is that every single person can be justified freely by responding to the grace of God that comes through Jesus's life-giving work. And so, yes, And amen, every single person on this planet needs Jesus. The prisoner needs Jesus. The prostitute needs Jesus. The pianist needs Jesus. The preacher needs Jesus. And here's the thing. We believe that there is this inclusive invitation to all of humanity. Come to Jesus and be free. Come to Jesus. Enter into a relationship with Jesus, meaning also that you'll have a relationship with God the Father. You'll be restored back into relationship with the Creator. Read the Gospel of John. This theme pops up all over the Gospel of John. To know God the Father 
means you have to know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, then you know Father. So there is this invitation to all people. Come, come, taste and see that the Lord is good. Learn from him. Let your roots grow deep like a tree planted by a stream of water. Come and abide with Jesus and grow fruit, fruit that will last. So this value of inclusion, this inclusive gospel invitation, this gospel invitation that is for all people, this was an important value to the early church. Earlier this month, we we had some sermons covering some of the values of the early church. We're going to continue that today. And I want to share a story from, it's Acts chapter 10 and 11. Really, the story is given twice, back to back, so it must be super important. Manuscript uh, material, you know, they, they didn't just had loads and loads of paper to write on, uh, but Luke, the, the, the author of Acts, thought it was so important to tell this story twice. And so it happens in Acts chapter 10, and then it's told again in Acts chapter 11. So that's where we're at today. Uh, so as you turn, turn there in your Bibles, uh, you'll, you'll pass Acts chapter 9. You'll notice that is where Saul has this amazing conversion experience on the road to Damascus. That's a story for another day that happens in Acts chapter 9. We're actually going to circle back to Saul, later named uh, Paul, in our sermon But in Acts chapter 10, here's the story. Peter is hungry, but dinner's not ready yet. So he goes up to the rooftop to pray or a balcony. So he's hungry and he has these these hunger prayers going on. And that leads him to go into a trance. And he has this vision. He sees The heavens open up, the sky opens up, and and it's almost like a large sheet, a large blanket drops down by its four corners. And this sheet contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And a voice says to Peter, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter replies, no way, Lord, I haven't eaten Any of that stuff, any impure, unclean animal, haven't touched that stuff. Peter is Jewish, right? Jewish law prevented the Jews from eating certain kinds of animals. We call this the kosher laws. All right, there are certain dietary boundaries they do not cross. Okay, the pagans are having all these banquets and they're eating all kinds of animals. There's certain animals that we, we don't eat. We stay away from that stuff. There's a boundary line. Peter has never crossed it. And this voice says again, okay, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. God is saying it's okay. And this happened a total of three times. And then the sheet went back up into the skies. And Peter was puzzled about all of this. And he's wondering what does this mean? So next, three Gentile, meaning non-Jewish men, they show up at the house, knock, 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 and, and you know, they're, they're looking for Peter. And the Holy Spirit ahead of time told Peter, hey, it's okay, go with these guys, all right? Don't hesitate, I've sent them to you. And so in short, Peter finds out that a Roman captain from a different town, he was commanded by an angel, hey, go grab Peter, 
That's why these three men are there. They're picking up Peter and Peter goes with them. He doesn't ask any questions and he's traveling with them. And so they leave that town. They go to the next town to the house of this Roman captain. And once they arrived, Peter sees that the whole household is there. It's filled with people. Peter's looking around and he's like, y'all know it's against our law for me to be here. I'm not supposed to associate with you. I'm not supposed to do this visitation. A Jew hanging out with non-Jewish people like, like this isn't supposed to happen right now. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. No people group is better than any other. And so in the household, they continue to share and talk. And, and then Peter recognizes that this whole household is in the presence of God. And I, I like this little, this little moment here. Peter recognizes that this is an opportunity. And we've all experienced this before in conversations and moments. Perhaps we've gone on a mission trip or, yeah, we're, we're on the phone with somebody or responding to an email. It's like you, you sense it. This is an opportunity to speak good news. This is an opportunity to share the gospel. This is an opportunity to speak life. And so Peter, he, he senses this and he capitalizes on it. And he says, I now realize how true it is. God doesn't show favoritism, but he accepts a person from any nation. If you fear God and do what is right, God, yeah. If you want God, if you're ready to do what God says, the door is open. The door is wide open for you. And then Peter continues. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all. We find out as we read through Acts that God is rebuilding men and women all over the place. And then Peter goes on to tell the story of Jesus. He talks about Jesus's ministry and his healings, his death and resurrection. And then in Acts chapter 10, verse 43, here comes this inclusive invite. Everyone, everyone who believes Jesus will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who believes in Jesus will be forgiven. This is good news. Everyone who believes in Jesus will be washed clean, will be set free. And as Peter was, was speaking, the people were believing. The Holy Spirit came upon all those who heard the message. Now, this is a, a Roman household that lived 2,000 years ago on the other side of the planet. This captain's house. His name's Cornelius, by the way. And, and we know that his household was, quote-unquote, religious. But on that day, they were ready to nail it down with Jesus. And they did. They got saved non-Jewish people, the outsiders, the unclean ones. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were saved and their hearts were ready to believe in the message of Jesus. And then Peter's like, well, what's next? We got to baptize them. They were all baptized. Baptism is the initi initiation ritual of Christianity. It, it reenacts the story of how you belong to Jesus. It tells the story of your death and resurrection with Jesus, how your life is immersed in the name of, of Jesus. 
And you know what? People heard about this event. The household of Cornelius, they're saved. They're Jesus people now. And some of the Jews, they heard this message and they flipped out. They flipped out. Because for a common Jew, who's in and who's out, that's a staunch line, okay? That is not a porous boundary. Jews don't even like half Jews, okay, in this, in this time period. Like, there is a line. There is a fence, okay? And so this value of inclusion, this inclusive gospel invitation, this would be hard for Jews to hear. It would be hard for them to hear. Non-Jewish people, they don't follow the law. They're not circumcised. You're telling me if they believe in Jesus, they're in? Yes, that's what we're saying. That's exactly what we're saying. And a few days later, Peter was confronted about this. He had to explain his actions. So we're in Acts chapter 11 now. They're like, not only did you go to their house, but you ate with them? You had fellowship time with them? What are you thinking, Pete? So he explains himself and he tells the whole story, beginning with the rooftop experience, the the vision. He tells the whole story and how it ends with outsiders believing in the gospel. And he received the Holy Spirit. And then Peter explains, he he ends his uh, explanation, Acts chapter 11, verse 17. So if God gave them the same gift that he gave to us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is I to think I could stand in God's way? In other words, we can't maintain a fence that God is ignoring. And thankfully to the people that Jesus, or excuse me, that Peter was speaking to, they had soft hearts and they understood the new reality of the gospel, that the gospel is a bigger story that is for all people. Verse 18, when they heard this, They had no further questions, no further objections, and they praised God. So then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. They saw the value of this inclusive gospel, and they were moved to praise God. So from Acts chapter 10 and 11, this is what we learn. The framing of the inclusive church is this. God does not make a distinction between Jew and non-Jewish believers. Jesus isn't just the new Israel. He is the perfect Israel. He isn't just Israel's Messiah. He is humanity's Messiah. He is the perfect human. And everyone needs Jesus. And I invite you to believe in this Jesus and receive the gift of life and forgiveness and freedom. Believe in this Jesus, the perfect one, who shed blood so that we can be free to plunder hell and populate heaven. And all of this comes from the heart of God. This is the, the mission of God, the misio Dei, as we like to say uh, in theological language here, the mission of God. God has this radical, big vision to reach the entire globe. And God wants to bless the nations. This starts all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham and Sarah, he picked one family. Through this family, he he wants to bless the nations, all families on the earth. And so he he had to pick a specific family for the purposes of salvation. It's through the family of Israel. And then specifically, zoom in a little bit to the line of David. 
Through the line of David, we have Jesus, the Savior, the hero, the man, the one who brings new life, the one who sets things right. Jesus is the one who provides living water. And he is the one who unites all of us here this morning and all of the believers, brothers and sisters around the world. Jesus is our center. And so Jews and non-Jews and women and men and kids, persons with disabilities, slaves and orphans and widows, barbarians, people thrown out by the culture. People are finding Jesus. They're finding his living waters, his liberating message. They're coming to Jesus and they're finding salvation. And the natural outcome of when people come to the center, when people say yes to Jesus, they enter into a life of forgiveness, of freedom. Not only that, but also obedience and service to the king of the nations. Jesus is the king of the nations. He is the hope of the nations. And so when people come to Jesus, when they come to the center, then they find themselves, when they say yes to that, when they say yes to Jesus, they find themselves in a community now, a new family called the church. And so cultural, ethnic, national, gender identities, they're not erased. They're just not an essential value for the church. And historically, what's captivating As we look back in time at the first century, this first generation of church, what we see, and it's amazing, is that the church actually pulls it off. Multiple languages, multiple cultures, multiple ethnicities, they find their center in Jesus. Jesus is the one who unites. Now, you might be thinking this morning, all right, at least for now, inclusion sounds great. But inclusion comes with a risk, right? And I agree. Because absolutely, there's a ton of messed up things in this world. (laughs) There's a lot of crooked things in this world that absolutely are harmful. And you might be thinking, okay, yeah, inclusion sounds great. But what about this? Or what about that? Or what about these people, those people? Now, to help you think about inclusion... I want to borrow from one professor. He frames it up like this. There is an inclusive invitation to an exclusive center. There is an inclusive invitation to an exclusive center. So here's the deal with Jesus being the center. If Jesus is the one who unites us, Jesus is the center. He doesn't share that with anybody else. To say Jesus alone is the center, that automatically triggers exclusion. Jesus doesn't share the center with Zeus or with Caesar, with money, with Buddha, with who and and that, with politics. Jesus is the center. Jesus alone is the center. Jesus is the exclusive center. And he is the one who unites us. Now, remember in Acts chapter 9, that tells the story of Paul's conversion Well, what we're talking about today is actually the heartbeat behind Paul's career. Paul was a Messianic Pharisee, meaning he he was a Jewish Pharisee who got saved and he planted churches in this first generation of Christianity. And a big reason why the church grew and it crossed cultures and languages and why the church continued to just spread around was because of this man, Paul, and his co-workers. Paul was a representative of Jesus. 
He was set apart for the gospel. To call the nations, that's the invite, to call all the nations to obedience that comes from faith in Christ. You can check it out later. Read the first couple verses of Romans. That's where it comes from. Paul reveals his heartbeat. I want to call all the nations to obedience to Jesus. All right. And then at the end of Romans, Romans 15, he's like, I want to go to where Jesus has never been heard. I want to go to the unreached where the name of Jesus has never been heard. That's where I want to go. Paul was on mission to call all, that's the invite, all nations, but to the exclusive center, to obedience to Jesus and Jesus alone. So here's the big idea here. To value inclusion, we also must value obedience to Jesus. And we can call that transformation. We can call that life change. Mark 1, 17, Jesus has not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And a bunch of sinners we are. We're all smudged up kids and we need to be cleaned. And we're all learning together. All of us here. We're learning together what loyalty to Jesus looks like. What obedience to Jesus and the Holy Spirit looks like. What allegiance to Jesus looks like. We are all committed together to transforming together, seeking life change together. We're all still a work in progress. And so what's important is to value, excuse me, to, to value inclusion, to value transformation. It means we need to hold on to the other values of the church. So come, come everyone. Come here. Let's seek Jesus out together as we fellowship, as we learn together, as we eat together, as we love one another. I think if if we're afraid of inclusion, if we're afraid of life change, then we might have a, a low understanding or a misunderstanding of the value of relationship and discipleship. It's a quick story. I wasn't born a Christian. (laughs) I wasn't born a Christian, but I was accepted by the church before I knew Jesus. And in relationship and discipleship, Jesus was introduced to me. And you know what? Yeah, to be honest, it would be easier to put up a fence and say very clearly who's in and who's out. If we were a club, I'd say, yes, let's do it. Let's put up a wall. It'll make it easier for us. If we put up a fence, then we can totally make sure everyone knows who's in and who's out. And outsiders definitely know they're out and they're not getting the goods inside. But here's the thing. We're not a club. We are the bride of Christ. And Christ is our center. And it is at the center, we find out that Jesus is jealous for his bride. And I believe Naturally, the closer we get to the center, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we will believe deeply. The closer we get to Jesus, we will learn and we will know that we are loved beyond measure. And idols will fall away. Immoral behaviors will be corrected. We will experience conviction. We will go through 
a lifelong journey of repentance and believing the good news. The closer we get to Jesus, God's word will continue to speak. It does not return empty. And we're committed together, committed to transformation, obedience to Jesus, and we'll be led into continual life change. Discipleship and life change, it happens in the context of community, fellowship, relationship, serving others, loving others, learning together, worshiping together, having common meals together. And you know what? We're humans, and humans are messy. Life is messy. Life is hard. All of this stuff that we're talking about can be really hard work sometimes. And Jesus knows that. And that's why I think he says in Matthew 11, All things have been committed to me by the Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. If Jesus has been revealed to you, church, if you want him to be the center of your life, if you have seen the light of Jesus, Jesus gives this invitation. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's the invite. Come to me. If you're ready to nail it down with Jesus, if you're ready, ready to just leave it all behind, you're like, you know what? I just, I need Jesus. I need to come to his rest. That, that, come to his rest, come to his arms. That is the inclusive invite. Come. But it doesn't end there. Because then there is a challenge. It is the call to obedience. And this is how Jesus explains himself. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so are there fences in our lives that God wants to knock down? Are there valueless values that God wants to challenge? Are there obstacles that prevent us or others from serving the king of the nations? So I just want to close with a mental picture that God gave me while we were away at the beach. Just imagine you're, you're standing, you just, you just got to the beach You stepped onto the sand. You're on the hot beach. The ocean is Jesus. The ocean represents Jesus, the gospel of grace. Okay, that's that's where you get cleaned up. That's freedom. That's gospel. That's Jesus. Okay, but all across the beach are blankets and umbrellas. And we have all these little camps set up, all these little tribes of, of families. And it's just the whole beach is populated. And and this actually happened. This is what I actually physically saw. There was no clean path to the water. Okay. If you want to get to the ocean, you have to go this way and that way. Do some zigs and some zags. Cut here, cut there. So many obstacles you have to do in order to get to the water. The beachgoers, they, they mean well. They're all there to enjoy the ocean. But as a seeker, of the ocean. This was my, my thought. 
All of these camps, they sure make it hard to find the refreshing freedom of the water. So as you're standing there in the hot sand, what would it be like if the beachgoer said, hey, we see you, we're here for you, we're not going to judge you. Actually, we're going to try to get out of the way so that the love of Jesus can show you the path. It's a narrow path, it sure is, but there is a path. Let's try to get out of the way so that you can get to Jesus. That was the, the vision, that was the mental image I, I had while I was on vacation. I just wanted to share it with you, food for thought. But all who thirst will thirst no more. Seekers will become finders. So church, come taste and see that the Lord is good. The invite is there every single day. Come to the living waters. Come to the living waters. Come abide with Jesus and bear much fruit. Let's pray.